Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan Carson, Director of Student Ministry Matters. Our goal with Student Ministry Matters is simple. We want to invest in those that are seeking to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. We do that through coaching, connections, and continuing education. That's our heart, to help others, such as yourself, as you seek to serve. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen to the podcast today as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, if you're enjoying our little podcast, let me encourage you to subscribe, like, and share this with others that are in your life. While primarily aimed at student ministry pastors, leaders, and volunteers, the conversations that we have are great for lead pastors, Sunday school teachers, parents, and others that might simply care about students. If you have questions, comments, or would like me, Chris, or Micah to meet with you about the student ministry in your church, reach out to us at info at studentministrymatters.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, given my role with Student Ministry Matters, I see a lot of things come across my screen on Facebook. Some of them are funny, others are crazy, and yet others, well, they're just mean. Social media can often feel like the Wild West. In the past couple of months, I saw an image that seemed to just hit the nail on the head as we continue to work through returning to worship in the days of COVID-19. After I saw the traction that this image was getting, I decided to reach out to the Creator and speak with Him. His name is Jeff McNeil, and he's with us today on the podcast. Jeff McNeil has served more than a decade in student ministry and is passionate about developing a generation of students who are independently dependent on Jesus, as well as promoting unity among churches. He is currently the full-time youth pastor at Faith Christian Outreach Church in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. He and his wife, Brittany, have been married for 14 years and have two children. Jeff loves serving alongside his wife, coaching his children's sports teams, and cheering on the Mizzou Tigers and St. Louis Cardinals. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Well, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate you having me on today and looking forward to our conversation. Well, recently, Jeff shared something on Facebook that has gone viral. With over 20,000 reactions and over 57,000 shares, his simple post has said a lot. It isn't complicated or exaggerated. It is simply the image of a couch with the words above it, church on the sofa will never be the same as church in the sanctuary. When I began tracing this image back to its source, I found a fellow youth pastor living in Iowa. Now, I wasn't surprised, though. Student ministry workers are some of the most creative and forward-thinking people in the church. Now, Jeff, as we, we talk today with full-time, part-time, bivocational, and volunteer student ministry workers, would you start us off by just sharing a little bit about yourself, your ministry, your family, those type of things? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 41 years old. I'm in southeastern Iowa now in a town called Mount Pleasant, uh, but I'm not an Iowan. I was raised in southern Missouri in a small community called Houston, Missouri. 
uh, to make it even more confusing, it's in Texas County. So the, the Houston and Texas, it just throws everyone out. Uh, That's fantastic. Out. <laughs> yeah. um, but I have a, a wife I've been married to since 2006. I have two children, a seventh grader who now is part of our youth ministry. So that's been a new season of life to be standing on the stage and see your own flesh and blood, blood in the audience. But it's, it's been really cool. I'm enjoying it. And then I also have a son who's a fourth grader. And so they keep us very busy. They're both athletes and play a lot of sports. I'm actually coaching my son's flag football team right now. So I love sports. I love staying connected to what my kids do. Um, and then, of course, I'm a youth pastor. And my journey to full-time youth ministry probably doesn't look like everyone else's, but that's the amazing thing about our God is he will call anyone that he wants to use. And not everyone's journey and path looks the same, uh, but ultimately it's about being obedient to the call that God has in your life and being willing to be used. And that's, that's my story. Um, I was in my boyhood church and was asked if I would help teach the middle school boys on Wednesday nights. And so I said, sure, I can do that. I think there were four of them. And we would sit at a table and we'd play, um, I don't know what the official name of it is, but it's basically paper football where you take paper and you fold it into a triangle that makes a football. Yeah, and yeah. We would push that back and forth across the table, you know, if it, and if it gets off the edge of the table, then that's a touchdown and you make the goalpost with your fingers. And so we would do this every Wednesday night and then we would talk faith a little. Um, and that And that went well, but it was just a room with four of us in there. But, you know, as you know, Dan, uh, when, when you're faithful and little, then, then God will give you opportunities to have more. That That's just how he operates. And so I was faithful to those four middle school boys, and it just opened up doors. I was asked to help lead the youth ministry. Um, and then just doors continued to open for me. I transitioned to a different church. And after a few months, I was asked to lead the youth ministry there. And we built a youth facility about three years ago, which was just a tremendous experience and blessing to have the ability and the finances to build a, a separate building just for our youth ministry. And we saw God do some amazing things with some amazing growth there. And that led me to last summer at youth camp when I met with a friend who was the youth pastor of the church that I'm at now. He had left to go to Kansas City and plant a church. And he asked me if I was interested in full-time ministry. And I told him, absolutely, God has called me to it. And uh, I really desire to be in full-time ministry. And he said, well, would you want my old job? And I knew that he came from Iowa. So I said, no, I don't want, I don't want to go to Iowa. <laughs> I'm a Missouri boy. But the more I looked into it, it just felt like it was what God was asking us to do. And so we visited here. It happened very quickly. We moved here to Southeastern Iowa in August 2019. We moved here four days before school started for my kids. So it just happened so fast. But I really felt like it had to happen quickly or maybe I wouldn't have done it. You know, I, I need to really trust God. And just take a leap of faith. And so it's been a big leap of faith for us to be here. But I can tell you, it's been an amazing season of life. And I love the opportunity to be able to do ministry and in particular youth ministry on a full time basis. So that's kind of the journey that got me here today uh, talking to you, Dan. Well, to help our listeners understand maybe a little bit better, what is the size or let's go with those pre-COVID numbers <laughs> so that we can understand the ministry context that you're in? Sure. So our church, Faith Christian Outreach Church, is a church that pre-COVID was reaching about 525 to 550 on weekends. We have two campuses. Of course, that doesn't include our online campus. That would be a third, but two physical locations and two services on Sundays. Our youth ministry meets on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8.30. Pre-COVID, we were reaching 
in the one teens. Um, some nights were a little higher, some nights a little lower, but one teens would be a good average. Uh, Post-COVID, last night we had 82 students. Uh, our high has been 95 and our low has been in the 60s. So we're about at that 70, pushing 80% back return rate. Which is a, a great number from everything that I'm seeing. When you aren't serving at church, what do you like to do with your time? I spend a lot of my time following my kids around and, and playing sports or going to school activities. I absolutely love coaching sports. Before I joined full-time ministry, I was a newspaper editor and I covered the sports beats for our, for our newspaper. And so I love sports and being around sports. So you'll find me oftentimes throwing a football around with my son or playing catch with my daughter. She loves softball, uh, shooting hoops in the driveway. Uh, I try to I try to work out regularly. Uh, this morning I did, so I can pat myself on the back that I got up and did that. Uh, I enjoy working out. I don't, I don't enjoy running. Uh, that's never been fun to me. If I'm running with a purpose, playing a sport, I love that. Uh, but I right. don't really just love running just for the sake of running. But I like lifting weights. And then my daughter has gotten me into pickleball recently. And before moving to Iowa, I didn't even know what pickleball was, but I'm really kind of falling in love with it. I've heard of pickleball, but I can tell you what it looks like even. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, I think I'd heard of a restaurant that included, it was chicken and chicken and pickle, maybe. I don't know. It was, it was one of those crazy things that I'd heard about. And so, but yeah, it's, it's crazy when we have, when we have our own kids and they are involved in all sorts of things, our lives just look different (laughs) than if before the kids came along. Well, one of my favorite questions to ask is, and we get into these type of interviews is how did your faith journey begin? What did that look like? Well, it looked like being under the guidance of a pair of faithful parents who Mm. made sure that our faith was a priority. My dad is just a pillar of faith in my family. He's led the way so well. I remember as a young boy how he was the superintendent um, of the Sunday school, how he led um, the Wednesday night programming. You know, he was just anytime the doors were open, my, my dad and my mom, who also taught Sunday school and was the church librarian, they just had us there. We were just raised in a family where we were shown the way in faith. It wasn't just talked about, but we actually lived it out. And so I'm so grateful that even the days that I didn't really want to be in church, my parents made sure that I knew that this is what we do as a family, you know, that our family will serve God. So I was raised in church and one summer in church camp in the late 80s, I remember sitting at an outside service and I vividly remember God speaking to me in this call on my life that you're you're in sin and you need forgiveness through my son Jesus. I just I remember going up to the adult as I responded to the altar time and saying, God's spoken into my heart, you know, I've heard from God that I'm a sinner and I, I need salvation in Jesus Christ. And so that was my salvation moment, the the day that I was born again. And it was just such a special memory for me to be at the youth camp that I was raised at in my in my boyhood. And so we got My sister and I got baptized in a small river near our local town. And from there on, you know, it's just been a, I can't say it's been a smooth journey. Um, I've I've taken my wrong paths at time in life, but at the same time, I've always had that foundation of faith. And I just credit my parents and being in youth ministry and knowing how many students don't have that foundation of faith at home. It just makes me appreciate even more now as an adult of what my parents gave my sister and I when it came to our faith. Man, that is, that's always what I love to hear. A mom and dad who t- 
took their their son and daughter to church to worship to make sure that they were there because you're right. We hear about so many that that didn't happen. I, I think about my own story. My parents had us in church off and on, and then in about eighth grade, my parents, uh, well, specifically my father, had his, for lack of better description, had his feelings hurt. And he just, he was hurt and he didn't want to go back. And so we didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I spent the next few years just not in church. And then all of a sudden, a, a girl invited me to go. And I thought, well, I like that girl, so I'll go to church. <laughs> and God used that opportunity and that that moment to pull me back to himself. And But I love hearing hearing your story and knowing that a mom and dad were instrumental in that. You know, you may have accepted Christ at at that camp, but it was mom and dad that had a powerful impact on you. And so that's, you know, they, they laid all that seed in my life for me to make that decision one day. And I I give them credit for it. And, you know, if we have parents listening, I can say also part of my testimony is when I got to my college years, you know, I didn't always live faithfully for Christ, but I always had that foundation of what my parents had given me. And I, and I returned to it, you know, and, and that's biblical. And that's what my parents did for me. They just gave me such a strong foundation of faith that it was always there for me and, and, and just waiting for me to return back to it. So I'll forever be grateful for what my parents did and how they raised me. And so parents listening, you're doing the right thing by getting your kids in church. You're, getting the, you're doing the right thing by making your faith a priority, even when they don't want it to be. Uh, you're building a firm foundation uh, that will be there for them for the rest of their life. And even though they may, they may stray a little bit, it will always be there and they will return. Well, let's let's get to the topic at hand, and because really it ties in with what you just said. One of the, the key factors is that your parents took you to church. Your post says church on the, the sofa will never be the same as church in the sanctuary. Absolutely true. Um, you know, we try to encourage families, encourage our, our people when we had to stop meeting face-to-face and an in-person. We wanted to get them on board. But now that it's time for us to be worshiping together again, sometimes it's a little hard. And so you shared this. And again, it had a number of reactions, thousands upon thousands of shares. And I know that the number would actually be higher if you could also track all those that just copied your image and then started sharing it. (laughs) You know, as a photography guy, I understand the issues of copyright. So when I saw yours, uh, your post, I was like, I'm going to track this down so I can make sure if I share it, it's okay. So, (laughs) um, it's fully original. Yeah. And which, you know, once you see this, and we'll have a link in the show notes, there's nothing complicated about what you created. It's just a very straightforward, has one color and some grays. And it is just fantastic. So let me ask this question. Why do you think that your post went viral? 20,000 reactions, 50, 57,000 shares and, and above. Why did it resonate with so many? I wish you could see my reaction right now. We're on a podcast and I just laugh to think that the mere thought that something I did online went viral. And, you know, I'm, I'm not an author I'm, I'm just your average guy who's a youth pastor. But so the question, why did it resonate with people? I think because there are so many of us that realize there is a, a portion of the community of society of our brothers and sisters in faith that are just settling for something that isn't who they can fully be when it comes to pursuing Christ 
spending time in community and experience the power of church inside of a physical building. And so I just think it just, it struck a chord with so many people, especially those that have returned to church as an encouragement to those out there that haven't come back to say, Hey, look, church online is great. It's nice. It's a connection point. I am grateful for it. I leverage it in my youth ministry and here at our church, but it just isn't the same. And so if you're using that as kind of a crutch just to be able to stay home on the weekend, you're harming yourself in a way that you may not even understand because you're just missing specific components that can only happen when you're physically together. So that was the heartbeat behind the message or behind the post just to say it's not the same. It's not bad, uh, but it's not the same. So if you at all possible can get to a physical location, you need that and we need you. You know, I I think about some of our our older folks um, that are part of our, our congregation and we really, we had to step up our digital format when all of this happened. And there are some of those folks that don't need to be out. They really don't. <laughs> and they have given us feedback that they now feel connected again, or they feel more connected than they have in the past over these, you know, before that. But you're right. There are components. You, you said that very specifically. There's some components, some things that we miss when we aren't together with the gathered church. So let me ask, what are some of those components? Well, a couple I think of, I remember our first weekend when we reopened, I remember I was in the back of the room. I was actually a, a moderator, a host on our, for our online service. And I remember that first worship song. And I just remember the power of God's spirit that I just felt. You could just feel his presence in the room as God's people mm. worship together. And that's something you just can't communicate over the internet. You just can't get that power of God's people. You know, the Bible says he inhabits our praise. And when you get God's people together worshiping, there is just a power that comes from that. But I wouldn't even say that's one of the main things, but that's just something that resonated with me that first weekend back. I was like, wow, I've missed that. I've I've needed this together. But, you know, things that I know that you can't get at home. Number one, you can't really serve when you're doing online only church. Now, I know there are some churches that do it well where they have online small groups and other online things, but it's really hard for you to to serve and use your talents for God. There's so many opportunities, even like in our church, for instance, where you can be a door greeter, you can be someone that works at the welcome desk, you can be an usher, you can be on the worship team, you can teach a kid's ministry room, or you can work with toddlers. There's all kinds of, and I didn't hit all the opportunities that you have. You can't serve uh, from your sofa. And that was something I was was trying to get at is you you just can't do that. Um, and, and then you can't have the community that, that we all need. You know, we need each other. When, when God said it's not good for man to be alone, um, when we're told not to forsake the gathering, you know, together, gathering together, especially as we, we approach the end times, which I, you know, I think we can all see that life is and this world has just become more chaotic and crazy. And is it the end times? We don't really know for sure, but we just know that this world is headed downhill pretty quickly. And so not to forsake gathering together. And so there's just something powerful that happens when we get in the same physical space with each other. And, you know, I just think that it can become, and you know, when you talked about that connection, people get online. I, I wasn't speaking specifically to people that can't make it to a physical right, location right. or people that for very valid reasons shouldn't be out because of health or underlying health conditions. Yes. Stay home. That, that message was not to those people. The heart behind my message was 
if you are able, if your church is close, if you are physically well and healthy enough, you need to be in church because you just can't experience the same type of faith online that you experience in the house. Now, if, if online is what you can do in this moment, or it's the only thing that you're able to do, by all means, do that. Um, that is not an indictment on anyone in that position. I'm speaking more to people that are seeing it as an opportunity to stay home, to stay, to sleep in, to stay in their pajamas, uh, to watch casually. Uh, you know, there's a difference between watching a service online and engaging in a service physically. And it, until you experience that, uh, you may not know what you're missing out on. So that was really what I was trying to communicate. Well, and I think you're you're absolutely right. You, I, I knew, and I think most that see this post know, it's not aimed at those that can't come. It's aimed at, at so those that are making some choices. <laughs> right. um, and we know that there are still those people in my congregation possibly in your congregation, um, that are, that are making the choice that, well, it's, I can just sit here and turn it on. I can watch it on my phone, like, you know, any, any number of things, you know, one of the things that you've just talked about was things that would hit us all, but you're also the youth pastor having youth together, um, is a very powerful thing. So what are, what are some benefits of bringing those students back together? Well, there, you know, there's some very similar things to that adult service when we talk about that corporate worship, but even from just a one-on-one a -on -one basis, you know, the ability to have a personal connection with another human being. And, and for us, we do small groups once a month, and we have small group leaders that have uh, by gender and by grade a group of students that they kind of take ownership of leadership of. And when you're not there, um, you're not getting those one-on-one -on -one connections and conversations. Um, at our end of our service, every single week, we have a prayer team that students can come up and pray with. You You miss that. You can't come and pray with someone. You just can't be in that same physical space. And I know that as teenagers, you know, just being around them enough and hanging out in their space enough, teenagers don't do really well, for the most part, with communication face-to-face. -face. They're used to online. They're used to text. They're used to behind a screen. And so there's a part of this connection and touch that they miss in their life. And it's so important. And I think that... Yeah. I know that coming together physically is something that we all need to do and, and laughing together and experiencing emotions together. We can't, we can't communicate emotion through a screen. We just, we just can't. And also that communication is one way on a screen. You know, you, you receive, 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 but there's very little back. Uh, you may be able to post a few things in the comment, but more than likely there's not anyone engaging with that, or it's not an ongoing conversation. You know, it's just online is so impersonal. Now, I continue to say I'm grateful for online. I'm grateful that it's mm -hmm. there. I, yeah. There are pastors and worship teams that I watch online, uh, but I would say I, I watch them. I don't really engage in their service. Mm. You know, that's another point that I was getting at. I remember when I first started dating my wife, they had a church that was that had a balcony and her family used to sit up in the balcony. And I remember talking to her one week after doing this for several weeks, and I said, I don't like it up here because I feel like I'm watching church. I don't feel like I'm engaging in church. I just feel like I'm up here just watching what's going on, almost like a ball game, you know, like I'm at Bush Stadium watching the Cardinals play. It's like yeah, I was yeah. up in the stands watching church. And I said, I don't like this. And so we intentionally moved down to the third row the next week, and it just was a game changer for us as far as how we engaged, how we worshiped, what our attention was. And I kind of see online like that. 
you can passively watch while you fold your clothes or while you feed the dog or whatever you do, you know, and you may catch mm-hmm. a few little snippets of things, but you aren't fully, you're not fully invested in it. And that was something that I, that I wanted to communicate in my post is that there's something to be said about taking time to get dressed, to get in the vehicle, to drive there, to fully invest and set aside this time. It's not like we're trying to squeeze God into the rest of our schedule for that day and just you know, we'll kind of let him speak a little as we do other things. But no, we take time. We pause everything else. We stop and we go and worship God. We make him a priority in our life. And there's just is no replacement for the physical building. And that is something that I have found out during the season of not being able to be together, even more so resonated with me that we need each other, that we need to be in the same location, worshiping together. And we just need that physical connection and touch with each other. Yeah, all those things we need, man. One of the things that I really liked that you said or pointed towards was this idea of being intentional. You know, when we go to church, we we get ourselves <laughs> cleaned up. <laughs> you know, for a lot of us during the pandemic months, we, you know, we were um, maybe taking a shower once a week and wearing sweatpants all the week long, you know, I mean, it's easy. <laughs> and so, you know, and that's, and that's how church would be for the, during those times for those that didn't get out of their home. And so this idea of being intentional of cleaning ourselves up, getting ready, driving to a place and worshiping together with people, all those little steps put us in the mindset of this is what it takes for me to worship God. And I'm going to be there. And God doesn't need for us to do that. But man, I think we need it. <laughs> I think those steps sure help us. So, well, let me ask you here in Arkansas, you know, churches have never been ordered to shut down. Our governor has allowed churches to make their own decisions, which at times has actually been more difficult. Uh, we've been given guidelines, but we were never given directives. And so it's been left up to us to make some decisions. Now, currently, my church has recently resumed public worship. It's, we met for a few months now, but we continue to use masks, follow social distancing, and utilize digital means for most of our small groups. Uh, let me ask, what has the pandemic looked like for you and your church in Iowa? Our state was very similar in that the governor made suggestions and guidelines, but never made a ruling that would have to be followed statewide. We, just for the sake of, of safety, we, we closed our physical location in March, and we were closed until May. I think it was around Mother's Day, I believe, uh, that we decided, okay, we need to get back together. So we started with some drive-in services. So we have a big parking lot down by our youth facility, and so we put a couple of tractor trailers stacked on top of each other to raise up high, and we did worship from there, and our pastor spoke from there, and then we transmitted the audio through a FM transmit signal that went to the radios inside of each vehicle. And we did that for three weeks. And after doing that and having a great response, a lot of people turned out for that. We decided, okay, we need to now take that next step and go back in our building. And so we were the first church in our community to open up its doors. And one thing we saw is that there were a lot of people from other churches that were coming to our church just because they missed that physical in-person experience of worshiping God. And so Those people, once their church reopened, they went back to their church, which they should have. Uh, But when we were open and their church wasn't open, they would come to our church. And so we really started to see the value and significance that people really saw in in meeting together. So as you've been worshiping or 
where you're at now. Let me put it that way. Are you guys using masks? Are you social distancing in the building? What is what does that look like? We have sanitizing stations, one that we purchased online at every single doorway. We stopped passing out bulletins. We didn't do communion passing out for several weeks. We had the chairs separated a little bit. We never marked anything off, but we just encouraged people to keep their distance. We didn't do handshakes. We were just very uh, intentional about how we asked our congregation to behave. Now, we never mandated anything. We never got on to anyone for shaking hands or sitting next to someone. We just asked them to be wise. We had a few people that wore masks, but it never was required. And I don't know, after about four or five weeks, I think people just got comfortable. They didn't feel like maybe some of the distancing was as necessary for them. And so um, we really don't have any guidelines in place right now. We just ask people to exercise wisdom. We still have our water fountains closed off. We have actually cup dispensers. We can grab a cup, a plastic cup and get water out of there if you want. The sanitizing stations are still there. We still aren't passing out physical bulletins. So there are some things that we are doing that are not doing that we were previously. But otherwise, we're just kind of open to have church and allowing people to uh, experience church as they would like. We do have additional seating in the back, an area that wasn't always open. We have that open. So people are more spread out and people are, you know, keeping their distance if they would like. But for the most part, we've seen our people just come together and understand that uh, this community that we have, this community of faith is one that they need for their life and, and just this connection that we have as the body of Christ is one that they value. And so they've come back and, and they're ready to, you know, I, I don't, you don't want to say normal <laughs> because who knows what normal is anymore, but right, um, right. They're, they're ready to get back to, to a sense of worshiping together as a body and a, a united body. Well, as a point of reference, how big is your community? Mount Pleasant, Iowa is about 8,000. Now, is it close to any large cities or what does that look like? We are about 45 minutes south of Iowa City, where the University of Iowa is. And then the biggest community to us would be Burlington, Iowa, which is on the Mississippi River. And it's a community of about 25,000. I don't know what what our listeners' churches look like. I don't know where they find themselves. I know that here in Northwest Arkansas and Arkansas in general, we've had you know continued uptick in, in cases. And we're recording this at, towards the end of October, just so as people listen, they'll go, oh, okay, that's what it was. But, uh, you know, I just, I just love the fact that, that you have people wanting to come back and worship and celebrate. That's just so important. You know, our listeners probably find themselves in a variety of places in regard to meeting or not. That's what we've been talking about. Some are still not meeting at all. I've heard of that. Uh, others are like my church, who is just meeting for worship while others are back to meeting as normal. Everything's just kind of open. They're just asking for, as you mentioned, Jeff, wisdom. As we move back to worship and youth meetings, how do you recommend gathering the wandering sheep? Uh, do you have any recommendations for those listening uh, to get help gather up those that haven't come back just yet? Well, that's the challenge that all of us face. And I don't know if I have a magic bullet that is going to be three steps to making it happen, but... <laughs> What I have experienced is that one-on-one personal connection is still king. And so finding ways to reach out to people, not in, a, not in a group message or not in a group posting, but actually to connect with people one-on-one and even beyond just a text message, a, a phone call. And if you're able to visit, you know, something very personal, that personal touch and connection is what we've had the most success with. So as we started reopening and we see that 
You know, there are students that haven't come back. There are families that haven't come back. As a staff, we took intentional steps to reach out to people, to call people, to check on people. And this is part of shepherding. And this is, you know, what we do as youth pastors is to call on our life uh, to care for people. And so that one-on-one connection and outreach, I think, is extremely critical. And then also, too, I think you just have to communicate what you're doing to be safe. And that was something that when we reopened, we let our parents and families know through email and videos and social media postings, here's what we're doing, here's how we're doing it, why we're doing it, and to let them know that their families and their children would be safe, that we would take every necessary precaution, not out of fear, but out of wisdom. And so I think if you do those two things, I'm not guaranteeing that everyone will come back because there are still those uh, that are just in a different place or have different challenges life challenges or household situations. But for the most part, I think you'll find uh, that those personal connections and then just exercising wisdom and communication of what you're doing to be safe should create an environment where hopefully a majority of our people will come back. That's good, Jeff. Well, what else do you recommend for our youth groups and churches as we move back towards normal? Any other ideas or, or things you'd want to share today about it? You know, I would just say that in this season of isolation, separation, wearing masks, social distancing, you know, many phrases that we'd never heard of until 2020, I think we have to be very aware and um, intentional about ministering to the emotional needs of our people, especially our young people. Uh, Anxiety is probably at an all-time high. I know this statistically that's hard to prove, uh, but I do know that depression is up. I do know that suicide rates are up and this is all it's mental warfare and so students are students are lonely isolation is not good for any of us and it's not good for them and so really being intentional about what your programming is going to look like what your maybe your teaching series is going to be or maybe even have more small group time to have conversations maybe you ask your adult team to find students. This is something that I'm asking, asking to pick out one student per day in their group just to reach out to and ask how they can pray for them, check up on them, see how they're doing, you know, those personal contacts, but just being very intentional about ministering to and caring for the emotional and spiritual health of our, of our people, because it has just been a challenge for all of us. We just know how hard it was to sit at home and not have community, not have anywhere to go, feeling lonely, feeling bored, Uh, feeling isolated, all those things, they're just not healthy for us. I I know that there was a season that we had to do that, uh, but it wasn't healthy for any of us. So being intentional about meeting those emotional needs of our our young people would be something that I really encourage people to do. Well, Jeff, thanks for taking a few minutes with us today. Now, if someone wants to continue the conversation with you about these topics or find out more about your student ministry, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, you can reach out to me personally. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. It's Jeff McNeil. My last name is spelled funny. It's M-C-N-I-E-L-L. I love connecting with youth pastors, ministry people, um, or even just people of faith. I, I love having my newsfeed filled with encouraging things. And so yeah. I love to connect with people there. Our youth ministry is called E3 Youth. So the letter E, the number three, and then youth. And we're on all social media platforms. You can look up um, the handle is my E3 fam. So we'd love to connect with you there. And um, yeah, just looking forward to meeting more people and doing this life together and learning from each other, networking. And, you know, we're all in this together. And so the more we can connect and grow and learn together, I am all for it. 
That's great. Well, again, thanks for being with us. And listeners, if you haven't seen Jeff's post, be sure to check it out. We'll have the link in the show notes. COVID-19 and the year 2020 has continued to be a difficult one for those of us in ministry. If we can assist you, be sure to reach out to info at studentministrymatters.com. We'd love to connect with you. You can join our email list at studentministrymatters.com, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again for downloading and listening today. Keep up the hard work because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.